podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracas. Today I'm joined by uh, Mariah. How are you, Mariah? Yeah, not bad, Obi. I think it's been a while since we've been on a pod together, right? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Uh, and I'm joined by Nee. How are you? I'm good, bro. And my team finally won. We snapped that losing streak, so we're good, man. That's good. That's good. Okay, before we get into the main podcast, just going to do a little bit of news, uh, you know, just to fill out the fill out the start of the pod, you know? Get a nice little feel for what we're doing. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about, just because I found this quite funny, uh, is Aaron Gordon wearing the number 50, choosing to wear the number 50 for Denver. Um, and it is believed that this is... Um, to represent the uh, documentary that he did called Mr. 50, which uh, is talking about basically him losing the dunk contest, the dunk contest in 2016 and 2020. Um, so what I wanted to ask the pair of you is basically, have you seen a more petty thing recently than this? Uh, listen, I'm also, uh, I'm a football fan, as, as some of our listeners will know, and there tends to be a saying in football, the game's gone. Um, and and with this, I get exactly the same sort of vibes from Aaron Gordon. <laughs> Listen, this is a guy who made a diss track towards D Wade because he didn't give him a fifty score uh, in the dunk oh, contest. Yeah, the dunk contest a few a few years ago. Uh, a documentary about not winning the dunk contest. Um, I hate to sound like an old fogey, you know, old school like players should be focused on winning and they should have no personalities and no hobbies. Uh, I won't go that far, but let's just hope his time in Denver is successful. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that later in the pod, but all this kind of additional stuff over a dunk contest, you didn't win. Like, yeah, I think we can all agree that he deserved to win. But listen, man, it, it is what it is. Um, mm. Why you may want to immortalise that? Um, yeah, I, I question the man's motives. That's the thing. Like, at the end of the day, do you want to be known? If you if he, say he doesn't win a ring or Hall of Fame or anything like that, do you want to be known as the guy who complained about that he didn't win a dunk contest twice? I mean... like, I mean, he's definitely not going to the Hall of Fame. And like, when well, Howard sent me yeah. this like, text, yet yeah, to tell me this was happening, it, I was very confused. Right, and like, right, it kind of like, ruined my mood. You've ruled out the possibility of him going to the Hall of Fame. That's absolutely not happening, yeah? The guy's probably got I mean, another, what, eight, to, eight, to, eight to ten years in the league. Yeah, he's only, he's only 25, I think. 24, yeah. 24. Well, Bro, out, and yeah? this guy is not making Hall of Fame. Allow me. <laughs> <laughs> just forget about it, man. But I mean, like, when how um, I think he sent me a text in it about what was happening with this, and that like, was a couple of days after Denver move, and you moved to Denver, and I was obviously kind of excited if you hear on our pod last week, we talked about his move in it, and I was like to myself, like, I was kind of confused. I'm like, Mariah said, and this guy's motives, and I was like, if this guy, I'm here to ball, or was he here to sell jerseys? Like, it was just, it's just kind of baffling, isn't it? It's very weird, man. Like, I'm not watching the documentary. I have less interest in watching it now as well after what he's done. So, yeah, man. Like, no one really gives a shit, to be honest. So just keep okay. it moving, isn't it? Fair. It's not surprising. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, we've got the NBA's Basketball Africa League to debut in May in Rwanda. Um, so the NBA have collaborated with... Sorry, let me just get it up so I get the name right. They have collaborated with the International Basketball Federation to start a league in Africa, um, which was supposed to be played, I think, amongst 10 different countries in Africa. But because of COVID and everything like that, I think all those teams uh, from different uh, countries in Africa will all gather in Rwanda and they all play the league there. Um, so I wanted to ask to you guys, this is the first, basically the first um, collaboration the NBA has done with any league outside of North America. Um, so I wanted to ask to you guys, was, do you think this will have any effect on the league at all or in like basketball worldwide or anything like that? What do you think is the significance of this uh, debut season? I mean, they're, they're hatching themselves to a growing market, aren't they? they there's a, an increase in African players coming to prominence in the league. Um, and, and with that intra increase in um, African players in the league, um, more talent coming through. Um and I think they just kind of see where it's going, where it's trending to. And listen, I don't want to get all kind of righteous and stuff and talk about colonization and mm. people coming into Africa and trying to reap the benefits. But yeah, there's a, there's a shade of that. But I'm, I'm okay with that because we all know that the infrastructure isn't necessarily there. And 
being able to have the support of the NBA just means that it's things are done properly, professionally. Listen, we, we, we all have African heritage and we know how, how organisations can be run. So I'm a fan of it. If that means that we're seeing uh, more African players joining the league, a development of basketball worldwide, growing interest in the game, then yeah, I'm all for it, man. Um, yeah, kind of saying, to be honest, um, it seems like a good move for the NBA to try and like, um, solidify um, just like talent in general, to be honest, like instead of just relying on America, they've kind of expanded like their scouting network essentially. Um, and like we and like, we obviously know there's a lot of like physical ability in Africa and technical, even though it's underplayed. Um, so yeah, they've kind of expanded their scouting territory. But I just wanted to ask why they picked Rwanda of all questions. Um, I, I, it's kind of a weird country to pick now, out of all the countries to pick. That's a very You're sharing your ignorance there, mate. What do you know about your Rwanda? I mean, um, I know there's troubles there. There's a hotel there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most politically stable, is it? Um, I don't. I, I don't know. Um, I, no, I don't I know how. I don't know how accurate your information is. Um, to be honest with you, I think like Obi's probably been influenced by the film Hotel Rwanda. Um, but when was the last time you checked in on Rwanda news? I mean, like a year ago. I mean, like um, oh, there's wow. still, and there's still genocide. So you know. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> let's not get into that. This is not that kind of point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Arsenal, Arsenal, sorry to bring it to football, but Arsenal were sponsored by uh, Rwanda. Visit Rwanda. Yep, yep, yep. It doesn't make it any better, to be honest. Can't be too, it can't be too bad, though. If Arsenal it doesn't, doesn't make it any better. Listen, um, maybe, maybe palms have been greased. We, we know how things operate at, at the highest level. Mm. Um, you would have thought maybe one of the more um, popular countries. But this is interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, there's a lot riding on it. Uh, for Rwanda from everything that you're saying, me, if it goes well, they, they've kind of brought themselves um, some good PR and potentially more things happening there. If it doesn't, they're in the mud. Yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, you have a night, on Monday night, Russell Westbrook put up the first 35-point, 20-assist triple-double. Um, so it's pretty historic. I see videos of like people uh, dousing him with water or champagne, whatever it was, in the change room. Um, and then the next day, Stephen A. Smith basically went on, <laughs> went on first take and trashed him. Not trashed him, but just said, like, you know, it's it's great, great achievement, but the numbers mean absolutely nothing. Um, and then goes on to talk about how Russell Westbrook's not an NBA champion, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then Russell Westbrook's wife come out and defended him on social media, basically saying, like, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't know, know how many times she'll come on social media after her husband has played a game and see he's been basically, like, slandered for no reason. And uh, then Russ come back and uh, I think quite maturely because I think you're, we're used to seeing NBA players react in a different way to criticism, um, whether it be like posting slime memes on uh, like Twitter or something like that or doing diss, diss records or something like that. Um, Russ basically said like, you know, there's more to life than being an NBA champion, like and that he's happy with his life and happy where he is. Um, so what do you guys think about Russ, Russ's response and Stephen A. Smith's comments? This is kind of like a lot about nothing, to be honest. I mean... Um, I kind of get where Westbrook's coming from, where especially when he talked about how he was watching um, a college game and how that like, announcers can influence um, the public's um, like, understanding of a player, where he says that maybe if they're like a bad apple. I mean, that definitely happens with everyone in terms of like, Anthony Edwards. Before he came in as a like, number one pick, mm-hmm. a lot of scouting reports were saying he wasn't particularly interested in basketball. It wasn't his first love. They kind of questioned his, um, um, his like, ambition like, I'm not within basketball. And that's just been totally wrong. If you see the way he plays and sort of effort he puts in and the sort of um, um, like drills and like reps he's put in to become better this season alone. Um, so I kind of got what he was saying from that aspect. But in terms of just like Westbrook and his like, legacy, he was talking strictly about basketball, innit? And like, it does get to a point where, um, like, I mean, you get the stats, et cetera, et cetera. I was watching, I think it was um, Colin Coward. He was talking about um, LeBron where the first phase of a basketball player's career they get their stats, they get their reps, um, they get their MVPs, etc. And then uh, the narrative changes to um, can this player translate that into winning? And then mm. I think I kind of get what Stephen A. Smith is saying in that sense. Like, um, we've seen that he can do all of that, but now can he go and use that to go and win a championship? And I think that's what he was kind of saying, to be honest. But um, for some reason, I think it struck a chord with both of them um, on this occasion. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with me. Um, I kind of, I get sick of the whole rings discussion because I think part of that is the reason why we see players joining up to, to chase a ring. 
yeah. because a guy can be in the league for 10, 15 years, uh, be an all-star, be an all-NBA level player, um, have a great career, but essentially comes down to did this guy win a championship or not um, is, a, is a summation of their career. And we know that uh, many things come into winning a championship. Uh, luck definitely also plays a part. Um, so from that point, I definitely disagree with Stephen A. Uh, but having went back to watch the, the clips, he definitely played his dues to Westbrook. And his point was essentially, listen, we already know you put up crazy stat lines. You, you've been putting up crazy stat lines for your whole career. Um, like um, you're a player who's, you know, been an MVP. You've been on um, teams that could have won titles. You've played with great players and you haven't won. You've gone to Washington. Um, you're with Bradley Bill, again, another uh, all-star, say, top 20 player in the league. Uh, and you're really not getting it done. Like, what's coming next, essentially? For me, you're at the stage where the only thing that's really going to move me in terms of Russell Westbrook is you winning a championship. Mm. And, and I get his point. He wasn't trying to belittle his career. Um, but I'm pretty sure quite a lot of people rolled their eyes. It's like, uh, first thing I asked is, did they win? Mm. Um, which, <laughs> which says it all, really, because yeah. <laughs> we know we know he puts up um, we know he puts up crazy stat line. Um, half the time, half the time, um, they don't result in wins. So yeah, Stephen A had a point. Russell and his wife, fair enough, they, they defended him. They kind of took the conversation away from specifically what Stephen A was saying, like mm. Nee said, because um, now we're having a conversation about Russell's impact as a man and his community mm. and stuff. And Stephen A is like, listen, man, like Russell Westbrook is real. You're never going to hear me diss him for all the other stuff that he does off the court. But I'm strictly talking about him as a professional basketball player, a player who's on a super max contract and what is expected of you. And for you to come there and be like, don't care about championships, what are you in it for? Even if you can't win, even if you can't win, just knowing a player has that elite mentality, I think it means something. But we've seen that in the past. We, we saw Victor Oladipo played with him. That was a big turning point in Victor Oladipo's career. So that's the first time he really saw what it takes to be a success in this league. So Russ's legacy is going to be an interesting one, I think. Um, but yeah, I think I think both both sides had valid points. Fair enough. Uh, before we get to the next topic, we've been joined by Timmy. How are you, Timmy? Good man. I'm sorry I'm late, boys. Man, I'm really no sorry I'm late, bro. Hell of an intro. Nah, bro. <laughs> you know, sometimes time just catches up with you and that. You know what I mean? Like before you know, it, it's 2118, and and I'm and I'm being asked if I'm all right. Like, like oh, <laughs> well, like, well. I, had to, um, I just had to do a few things. I'm sorry about that, boys. But yeah, we're, we're no here problem. now anyway, so. No problem. Timmy, before we move on, uh, kind sir, what team do you support? Brooklyn Nets. Well, I support KD, innit? Okay, you're one of those ones. Okay. Yeah. okay. I, su- I, I support respect, KD. I respect you saying that. I would, have, <laughs> I would have had to say it for you, so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Early. Not a lot of people will admit that, yeah? That's yeah. I, I respect it. I respect it. Okay. Uh, so last bit of news before we move on to the games is Andre Drummond signing with the Lakers. So, uh, open question to all of you lot. What impact do you think this will have on the Lakers' season uh, come the playoffs? Um, I think for the Lakers, it's uh, kind of, who is he replacing? So, Mark Gasol, essentially. Um, this move has been a monumental fail for the Lakers. Gasol's just got nothing left. He, he is well and truly passed it. Wherever the check line is, he turns back and he can't see it. So mm. I think um, defensively, for sure, for a team that's so elite defensively, having a player like um, Gasol playing had an impact, meant that they were somewhat uh, liable on the defensive end, especially in terms of rim protection and his inability to kind of move his feet quickly enough. Um, mm. So what we know Andre Drummond, another player who has a history of putting up crazy stat lines. Um, solid, solid. I think as long as they have AD and LeBron. Um, that will always be their foundation. And we also know that when it gets to crunch time, AD goes to the five, LeBron mm-hmm. goes to the four, and they, they'll surround themselves with shooters and playmakers. So what Drummond does, it just means that they don't have to use Gasol. And I think for that, he kind of, he, he, he put, he's worth his weight in gold, essentially. So with, with no AD now, with no LeBron now, I think he'll help get them over the line during this tricky period. So yeah. The more the merrier, I think, for them. I think they'll be very happy to have him and he'll be a solid contributor. And I think it's a good move um, for the Lakers. We kind of touched it and touched on it on um, the last podcast, I think, 
um, where we talked about how it gives them more versatility in certain matchups. Um, so there's probably going to be some occasions where they don't want to play Drummond because he just doesn't have the skill set that makes sense in that certain series. Um, and I know a lot of people that seem to get on to like Marcus, so especially Harold. Um, I think he's actually been okay for them. Well, I think he's been good for them offensively. And in that stretch where AD was out and it was just him and LeBron, like sort of, um, I thought he did pretty well. Like, like defensively, yes, he's, he's had his problems. And Drummond's definitely going to help That's that. That's an understatement. <laughs> I mean, he's had his problems, didn't he? Like rim protection. But I think the Lakers kind of lost that adrenal um, when they lost McGee and um, Dwight. So it was kind of like a big void to fill. And they've kind of filled that now with Drummond. Um, I don't know what he could do for you offensively. Um, he's not like the greatest lack, like alley oop threat. So I'm um, but it's LeBron in it. And he's like probably like what the best pass in the league, or he's not like one of the best passes ever. So um he can get him going if anyone can. Yeah. But I think Marcus Sol still offers something in certain series. So yeah, he just gives the Lakers more versatility going to the playoffs. Hmm. Okay, cool. So moving on to the games from the past few days. Um, we'll start with Clippers beating the 76ers, 122 to 112. Um, Nia, I want to get your thoughts on the game, firstly. Um, and secondly, um, how good are the Sixers team without Joel Embiid? Like, are, are you surprised by how, like, defensively, how good they are without Joel Embiid? Um, I have been kind of surprised by how good they've been defensively. Um, and I think, like, Dwight Howard's been, like, a big factor for that as well. Um, he's brought a lot of energy. He's, he's like, protected the rim, like, really well. As well, and then like, like Tobias Harris has done his bit defensively. Like they all kind of fit in, and like the one good thing about this about them defensively, I think it's mainly come from their second unit. Their second unit is really good defensively. So they've got Shake Milton, um, and they've got Fireball, and Fireball's probably one of the best. Um, I'm, I'm perimeter defenders in the league, um, and it's, and I think it's the offensive side that really like um, staggers his minutes. Um, he's pretty poor on that end, um, but he's a really good defender. Um, so that's what like, the Sixers they don't particularly. Well, like there's some that's where they don't score in bunches, but because of their defense, it keeps them in games or they kind of like grind at the win. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, like the game was pretty good until like the fourth quarter when Howard got himself ejected again for the second game in a row, just petulance, and it was just bare stupid the way he got himself ejected because he was giving them work, um, especially that Zubat, she was getting heated and they couldn't really contain him. Yeah. And I think he had what maybe like 14 free throws. At the beginning of the fourth, and which is quite a lot for Howard, didn't it? Um, so I mean, he was a problem for them, and then obviously his attitude has got him out of the game. But the Sixers have been good without Embiid, and when he comes back, um, and with the addition of George Hill, they're going to be a real contender this year. I feel um, a real contender. That's interesting. One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, for rivals aren't there? Yeah, but um, for me, I think it's it is it means they're in a good position. Um, are they a stronger team without Joe? Joel Embiid, of course not. But what we saw earlier in the season is that without Joel Embiid, I think their record was something like uh, one win, five losses. Um, and they've basically turned that around now and they're now eight and six without Joel Embiid. What I think that's meant is that, A, um, the kind of clash that you generally get between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and both of them wanting to be in the paint is alleviated. But then you've also got Ben Simmons, who's still an all-NBA caliber defender. Um, what it also means is that role players have had to step up into slightly bigger roles, gotten more touches of the ball because they've been able to build their confidence up. We know that when the playoff comes that you're going to need a sixth, seventh, eighth man one game or two games to to come out and win you, win you a game, make you some buckets. So um, the fact that their season is progressing and they seem to be becoming, becoming better as a team is a credit to them. It's a credit to Doc Rivers. Uh, and once Joel comes back, which from the sounds of things is going to be, um, if not later this week, next week, um, I'm, I'm with Nii. They're, they're, for, they're going to be a, a proper contender. And um, they're, yeah, they're going to give the, going to give the Nets um, something to think about. If you had to say now, seven-game series, Nets or Philly? Um, I'd have to go with the Nets. Um, okay. I would go with Philly. I was going to say that's a bold choice, but yeah, okay. no, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Nets still. Um, I think um, MB is going to eat, but we know yeah. that really with the Nets, they're not really scared of how many you score. Um, what I'm going to be interested to see is how they get schemed on in the playoffs because we know the playoffs is always the great equalizer. Um, James Harden still, he's still got something to prove in the playoffs. He's still got something to prove because as much as we've waxed lyrical and as much as he's an MVP candidate, 
this is what you get from James Harden during the regular season. He goes brazy on these guys, super durable, consistently puts up crazy stats lines. Another player who um, we can look at and say, been there, done that. Now I want to see you prove it in the off season. Um, it's good to have Nets fan Timmy on because we'll be talking about the Nets later. But um, yeah, I won't even start on the Nets. So let's keep it on Philly and we'll get into the Nets a bit later. Last question on the game, uh, Nee. We've seen yeah. Tobias Harris um, pick his game up quite a bit recently. I know mm. on the so a few of the pods in the weeks past, um, he's going to gotten a bit of praise. Um, I just wanted to ask you. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you. Um, can you think of many teams who have a third be- player better than uh, Tobias Harris? Um, no, I can't really. To be honest, I mean, I'm just going for some of the contenders. I guess you got. Mm, I wouldn't say Michael Porter Jr. is definitely not better than him. No, probably not, to be honest. He probably is like, like the third, like best option in the league. He's interesting as well because <clears throat> with with the Sixers, he's their closer, isn't he? And so he's kind of like a hybrid second, third option because uh, you can say Ben's the better player, but he's not able to make the, the plays from all the different areas that Tobias Harris is able to make plays from. So he doesn't see the ball in the crunch as much as Tobias Harris. So um, I kind of compare him to somebody like Chris Middleton. What I see probably being the difference between him and Chris is that Tobias is more than willing to take over a game in spurts when necessary. Um, So yeah, if you're looking around the league, um, a Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris, probably third best players where you want them to be. Um, Wait, Nets, I forgot about the Nets. Yeah. yeah. Oh, obviously, no, Kyrie. No, Kyrie. No, Kyrie's the best. I don't count. I don't count. Yeah, yeah, take it back. Take it back. Don't worry about it. They're just on their own team. They're just on their own team. Um, but with all the normal teams, should we say? Ah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd have him there. Timmy, do you have any thoughts outside of the Nets? Outside of the Nets. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking more a Drew Holiday being the third best player on the Bucks team. I think um, he's he's really good. He's obviously a really good defensive piece that can go and get you a bucket when needed. But I think the fact that he's so good defensively is what would um, set him aside for me. Um, Tobias Harris also will go and get you buckets, but he's not as good a defender as uh, Drew. And I, I see, I, I kind of see him like like peering in and out of games at times. Like the consistency is not like at as high a level as a Drew Holiday. That being said, Drew Holiday, obviously, he led, um, well, he was obviously second best to AD, but um, he was definitely the, like, captain, so to speak, while he was um, in New Orleans and that. So, you know, like, um, he's just, uh, I'd say, a a smarter, um, I don't know if that's the right word to use, like, a smarter player, a better basketball IQ um, kind of player. Yeah, so um, you know, like he picks his moments. He knows when to. He knows when to. Um, he knows when to pass. He knows when to pull out. He knows when to. You know, with um, things like that. So I'd probably say Drew Holiday's. But it's interesting that you mentioned um, Michael Porter Jr. because when I was thinking about it earlier, um, I did think about. I did think about him as well. I, I'm not sure. I'd say he's. Better than Tobias Harris at the moment. No, he's, he's, he's definitely it's early to say. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely in the form of his life right at the moment. Like he's getting buckets on buckets at the moment. He's also playing really well. So I wouldn't say him. Yeah, obviously Kyrie's there without um, without question. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else though. Mm. Even I, mean, is, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how people about. feel about guys like Mike Conley. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. that, bro, that's that's the other name that I had actually. Mike Conley is a, another the other name that I was thinking of earlier as well. I mean, All Star as well. Mm. I go with but, is he is he is he better? I think the fact yeah. that women and are about it is a testament to how good Tobias Harris is, right? Yeah, now. for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so moving on now, uh, I want to, Timmy, I'm going to stay with you. So we're going to move on to the Bucks versus the Clippers. Um, the Clippers washed the Bucks by 129 to 105. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on the game for a start. Um, and did you think that the Clippers would run away with this game so easily? Um, I didn't actually. I was actually flicking through a few games um, 
the other night. So I did, um, this was one of the games that I caught. Um, I thought Reggie Jackson had a, had a really good game. Um, I didn't expect him to play as well as he did because obviously Paul George, um, I, I guess he's out at the moment. I don't know if he's injured or if they were just resting him or whatever, but he was out and um, I looked at the game and I thought that the Bucks were going to take it. Um, Yanis, obviously, probably the most dominant big in the league. You still got Chris Middleton that will get you the buckets. You obviously also got Drew Holiday as well. Um, and it was a good game. It was actually quite close, like up until like the back end of the third quarter. Like, I mean, Clippers were comfortable. They were between like eight and 10 points ahead most times. I remember Bucks went on a run. They brought the game down to four. And then um, and then um, Clippers just ran away with it again. Once Clippers got like 15 points up, it wasn't, it just wasn't really worth watching anymore. But um, they was they were impressive. They're really good defensively, the Clippers, man. They're really, they're really, really good defensively. And um, they're a team that I think. I personally think that they would beat the Lakers over seven games. I probably shouldn't say that on here, mm. but um, I probably should have said last year as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a big shout. Uh, listen, listen. Last year, last year they had um, they had Doc Rivers as the coach. Who I don't really rate him like that. But this team's that's number one story. In the East right now. For for now, for, for mm. now, give it another, give it, a, give it another week and a half. Or okay, whatever. okay, we'll, okay. We'll be back on top. But um, yeah, I like the fact that obviously they brought in Tyron Lue um, and I just think the team has gelled a lot better now this season. I think they're ready. They're ready for um, a run, a run now in the, um, in the playoffs. And I think um, health wise, we don't know how AD is going to come back. We don't know how Le- well, LeBron's going to be ready because LeBron is LeBron. But AD, we don't know how he's going to come back. I don't think that they're, they're giving away too much information. I think the injury is a lot worse than, than they've made it out to be. So Definitely, if the Clippers meet the Lakers over seven games, it wouldn't surprise me if if um, Clippers take him. Mariah, uh, I just want to ask you a quick question before you uh, before you go off. Um, so, like a lot of the thing that people make a, a deal about with the Clippers is that like, them needing a point guard, them needing like creativity, um, someone like that. Do you think that they have might have a problem at center? Because I feel like um, having the two centers in Zubac and Ibaka isn't the strongest. Is there like any, is there like room for improvement there, or do you think that's a solid position they don't need to? I think to be honest with you, they they need to play a Vika Zubac more, more with the starters, and I think um, sort of this turnaround in their their form and them kind of having a bit more direction has been in part been due to Baka being out and him playing with the starters. Um, Part of the reason they went out last last year was the fact that they kept playing Montrez and he kept getting exposed on the defensive end. And um, this is the politics within a basketball team where Montrez is the bigger name. He's a sixth man of the year. Um, he puts up points. But for the team to function better, you needed Zubac, who um, had a big game the other night, not, not against the Bucks, but I think he had five blocks the other day. I forget who, who, who he played. But um, yeah. I think he's solid, and that's all they really need at, at that point um, from the centre. And you've got Ibaka, who will come off the bench. We've seen him do it with the Raptors, and he's reliable. He'll hit his open jumpers. He'll hit his open frees. He'll make the right plays, defensively solid. Um, they're getting something out of Luke Kennard now, which is great, because they, they, they tied themselves money. Yeah. They tied themselves into him. And you know, the way the league is now, you're always going to need space and you're always going to need shooters. So he seems to have, have gotten a bit more confident. Obviously, with getting rid of Lou Will, they do need a bit more offense. So that kind of gives him the opportunity to feel his way in, actually have bad games and not then be pushed to the bottom of the rotation, actually get to come out again and play. Um, funnily enough, when they, the last box game I watched... Um, it was close, and then in the clutch, Janice absolutely outplayed uh, both Kawhi and Paul George. Um, bought Paul George that um, that night. So um, interesting that um, the Clippers were able to dispatch with them so nicely. And I think they're humming along nicely. Ray John Rondo, we know what he's about. Make smart plays. A player that you can rely on uh, in the clutch to to make the right decision. Uh, actually, comes up with a big basket here and there, which mm. is which is crazy when you think of who Rondo was, but. He's fully established, and um, they're gonna do better than last season. They can't do any worse than they did last year, kind of. Really. So, um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on them. Um, again, I think they'll kind of it'll come down to Paul George. Um, 
the kind of undefinable Paul George. Like mm. we wax lyrical about his talents and how much of an all-rounder he is and how gifted he is, but he seems to always just be lacking. So um yeah, let's he's in, a poor, he's in a poor bit of form, Paul George. Yeah, um, let's see what he does in the in the postseason. He's he's in his head a lot, um, as we as we know, and as he's kind of um documented before. So I wouldn't really necessarily put any stocks in the clippers, mm. but I'm not mad at Timmy Shout either. Okay. Uh, I'll go on, Nick. Yeah, I just want to say on that question you had about the centres for the Clippers, um, Zubash has actually been pretty... He's actually been really good defensively. Um, And since he's come in, since Abaka's been out, I think they went on what... um, That little... That seven games... I think the six-game win streak they had before they lost against Orlando last night. Um, And that since then, like defensively, um, I think they... I think they were first for points in the paint. They only gave her like 40 or second... Um, and like under defensive rating was like second in the league within that stretch. Mm-hmm. I was watching Zubash yesterday and against the Sixers, um, and you can see um, he's just better than Ibaka right now, maybe because of age or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I defended the pick and roll, so um, he can still play the drop defense and cover the um, and the oop and that sort of threat. And it's also good. He's also good at defending the perimeter as well. Um, I think against the Sixers, um, I think um, Seth Curry really struggled to get open in this pick and roll with Ben Simmons, which usually works, but Zubash was doing a really good job of covering and stepping up. And he's actually been really good defensively for the Clippers. And I would be tempted to start him ahead of a buckle, like Mariah said, because he adds a bit more versatility and defensively. Mm. Um, and just on the Clippers as well, I want to talk about Terrence Mann, who I think has like really stepped up. And he had a big game the other night, yeah. He had a big game, yeah. And I'm um, in this stretch, he's been averaging like 15 points and like seven rebounds, something like that. But most importantly with him, um, he's like the one guy who's always like really determined to drive to the paint. And um, he's actually really good at kicking out as well. So against the box, um, he was driving and the defense would like totally collapse around him. And he was taking like three players out of the game. But what I was really impressed by was his ability to find the pass over all those tall players in the paint and to find the open shooter. And that's why like, people like Marcus Morris and like Canard were just eating off that because it's difficult to collapse and then leave them open as, as well at the same time. Um, so um, he was probably um, one of the biggest factors as to why Lou Williams was caught because if he can kind of do what he does, what drive into the paint, he's a better defender, he has more size um, and he's a better passer out of the drive. Um, I think the Clippers are actually looking a lot better than I thought they were maybe two months ago or so. And I'm a, I'm slightly high in the Clippers. Like, I mean, I don't particularly... You can't put stocks them. in them, guys, man. <laughs> like, their form goes up and down. Like, remember they started the season so well and people... This is a different Clippers team to last year. Then they then went through the hubbub. And uh, you really cannot put any stocks in them, guys. I'm not sure what they're made of. At their core, what are they about, man? What are they about? Like, their leaders, their, their locker room leaders are Kawhi, who we know somebody who just goes about his business and is not a vocal leader. And Paul George, I'm not necessarily sure of the culture they have in that in that club. Like, when he went, when Kawhi was in Toronto, he had Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry, who set the tone and, and was a leader in Toronto. He didn't need to worry about being the leader at the Spurs. Um, so I'm not sure. Even, even Paul George, when he was with the Pacers, he played with vets, man. He played with proper vets. So he didn't necessarily need to worry about leading the dressing room. In OKC, that was Russ's um, club. So I just, I don't know. I don't know, man. There's just something that's missing. They've got pieces and they've got talent, but there's something that's missing. And I think it's what will probably stop them going all the way. It's a different Clippers team, though, um, I would say. And like, um, I was kind of with you. And that's what I thought as well, like the whole season. I even said it last week's pod, I'm not really too hot on the Clippers. But... I guess we all have kind of like been lost in their process. They've got a new coach. Um, they've had some new incomings. Um, I mean, they added they added the Barker, they added on Nicholas Batum on Kennard, and now they've um, increased the minutes with like Terrence Mann, and then they've dropped Lou Williams on Montreal. So like, there's quite a lot of overturn, mm. and like I'm starting to see some things in the Clippers recently that they lacked last year, like driving or just like offensive like versatility. Um, that's become a lot better now. And at the ball movement against the Sixers was part of the reason why Dwight Howard, um, he wasn't really to have, he wasn't really able to have a big effect in the game defensively to kind of play the game around him. Um, so I'm seeing things from the Clippers that looks good right now. But obviously, as, as everyone says, 
Um, it's a different story when it comes to the playoffs, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Timmy, just want to move on to the Bucks a little bit quickly. Um, they've lost three in a row. Um, they've added PJ Tucker to their team. They're rumoured to be getting uh, Austin Rivers to their team as well. Um, do you think these additions will make any difference for them like come crunch time during the playoffs? Nah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Bro, but do you know what it is? But do you know the thing what it is? Yeah, like you you have to put you just I, I no one's gonna beat the Nets in in, in the East. So mm. unless unless you're literally giving the Bucks LeBron and AD to go with Yanis, it doesn't matter who it doesn't matter who you have. Oh, I hope to God you lot lose, man. I really. Yeah, yeah I to be honest, with LeBron, with LeBron and AD, I'd, I'd, question, I'd question that floor spacing, to be honest. Like, just know you get you get some good outside shooters, I guess. But um, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference, to be honest with you. Um, I don't even think they beat Philly either, to be honest. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's very uh you know very open and shut. So, uh, I was just asking the question. I thought maybe the Bucks might be within a chance. You know, a couple of additions here and there, but I guess not. Next um, in five. <laughs> fair enough. Um, Timmy, I'm going to stay with you so we can talk about the Nets versus the Timberwolves game. Um, so I kind of want to get your general thoughts as well on just like the Nets season, how you think they yeah, yeah. think they will end up. Um, but firstly, what did you think of the game? Um, I mean, I was quite disappointed, you know. Um, Timberwolves are the worst team in the league, and they are. We let them. We, I think we were, we were up maybe about eight going into the fourth quarter, and they just like went on went on some ridiculous run at the point where um, Annie Edwards actually um, had the chance to put them ahead. I think we were one hundred six, one hundred five up at um, at that time, and. Um, I was quite disappointed because it's like, and and it's in typical Nets fashion actually, because it's not the first time this season. It's actually happened quite quite a few times this season that we just don't close out games well enough. Like we always seem to give the opposition a chance to get back into the game, mm. and um, you know, I I just would like to see a little bit more ruthlessness from everyone. I mean, uh, Joe Harris had an off night again the other night. That's the, the second in a row actually. Um, he had an off night again. I think he's, he must have scored like two points or whatever. Um, obviously, Harden's going to be Harden. He's having an unbelievable season. Kyrie went a bit quiet after the first quarter as well. So, you know, we're still figuring things out. Defensively, it's still not the best. But um, I do expect... I've seen a lot better performances against a lot better teams than Timberwolves this season. So, going forward, um, we need to be able to be putting these teams to the sword like comfortably because... When I, what I was what I was seeing, I wasn't I wasn't super happy with to be honest with you. And what are your thoughts on the season so far? Like, are you where you expected to be? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect we'd be doing this well without KD. To be honest, I have with a you. question for you. Once you finish answers, I've got a question. Uh, um, I didn't expect um us to be doing this well without KD. Uh, Harden's really taken the load on on his back, and, mm. and it's not even just without KD. It's without Kyrie for like four or five of the games as well, um, mm. because Bit more he's than always that, got he's always got a personal issue like going on. So um, I'm, it was his birthday I'm, the other day. That's not personal. Yeah, do you know, that's not a personal issue. But, you, but you know, but you know what? I know, I know it was his birthday the other day. Then I saying he's out for personal reasons. I'm thinking, mm. what? You just letting the guy just. Miss games because it's his birthday. Are you doing that for everybody else? I can't lie to you. I love the fact he treats it like a job. Mm. Like if, if, in, a, in, in no, our job, you, in you our job, in our, what oh, I do, you get birthdays. You get I actually like working on my birthday. I'm making some money. You commit. You fun. commit to a regular <laughs> season and a postseason. You do. You, you know do, what I mean? Like this guy can't be putting in holiday request forms. Ah, it's my birthday. It's, that's, it's that's my sister's super, birthday. That's the superstar you know I mean? perk. That's the superstar perk. That's what comes with it. I wanted to ask you, we, we, we spoke about him before the season started and coming back from an Achilles injury, KD. You were pretty bullish about him coming back and being fine. I, I was a bit less so just because of his age and, and the history of how Achilles injuries impact players. What do we think is going on with him now? Because I think he's been out for quite some time and some people saying they've been... Um, um, having precautions because of the postseason, but he's played what 10 20 games in two years. Um, mm. 
at what point do you start to get worried and think maybe it's more than a hamstring injury? Um, what do you think is going on there? Um, I'm not worried because I've seen the level that he played at when he was playing. And he was literally the same KD that we saw at Golden State. Didn't look like he'd lost much at all. I think it's um, understandable, your marquee player, you know, um, to take precautions with him because for the Nets, it's, it's all about winning the championship this year. Like, if we don't win, if we don't win the championship this year, then it's a failure in my eyes, a big failure in my eyes. And obviously, the fact that KD's just come back from a kidney injury, he's now um, he's now got a hamstring injury that he's dealing with. Um, I just think that they're just being they're just being safe. I don't think that he was doing four v four scrimmages last week. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that he's going to be in um, in um, five v fives this week, and I expect him to be back next week because the thing is we can't just leave him out. I think if we weren't playing as well as we were or winning games, so to speak, mm. maybe there would have been a little bit of um, a little bit of thought to, to bring him back soon. I think he I think he can play at the moment. I just think that they're being extra safe with him because. You know, as you said, he's, what, 33 now, just come back from an Achilles injury. He's now got the hamstring injury, I think, in the same um, in the same leg as well. So um, I just think it's just a safety measure. I don't think it's anything serious. And I think hopefully he should be back, like maybe back end next week. Mm. Hopefully. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried. He'll be back averaging these 29, 30 a game. Then we'll get to the postseason. He'll be averaging these 35. We're good. We'll good see. over here, man. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we will see. I hope he is back. <laughs> I hope not, because I want the next to lose so bad. He'll get his, he'll, 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 grab his final, he'll grab his finals MVP. Don't, listen, don't worry. That's hard, All, man. That finals MVP. No, 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 no. Let's, let's not do that. I love <laughs> James Harden now, yeah. I'm so happy that he's a net, but, you know, the guy's notorious for crumbling in, in when, it, when the lights are the brightest. On, on top of that, he's not going to be able to um, he's not going to be able to keep the ball or you know like he's not going to be able to average as many points as he's averaging now when KD's back because KD is mm. going to need his touches. Kyrie's mm. also going to need his touches, and I think come postseason, Harden's literally going to be in facilitation mode. We, I was I was actually speaking about this with a few of my friends um, the other day, and it's like you know what you're going to get from KD in the postseason. You're going to get thirty plus. Or fifty percent shooting, forty percent from um, from free over the whole course of the playoffs. With Harden, what what's what is he going to need to average to take that Finals MVP off KD? Mm. It's going to have to be like a twenty-five point triple double. Because if he averages if he averages like a fifteen point triple double over a seven-game series in the finals, that to me isn't going to be enough to to take. Um, to take finals MVP away from a player as efficient as KD, who's like I said, is just going to give you, give you his 53 from from the field. He's going to give you his 43 from um, free, and he's going to give you 90 from from the line. I just don't, I, think, I just don't see him getting it. It's not kind of crazy talking about finals MVP already. Like, like these are educated guesstimates, though. This is what this is what you're talking about. Finals stat line. This is what KD does. Don't worry, man. This is why we keep all our pods in the archives because when it's time, delete, delete that, delete that, delete that, cut that, cut that. You know what I mean? But oh. you know me. I'll, I'll, I like to I like to make these bold claims because when they when they pull off, I like to be the guy that's looking in everyone's face and saying, I told you, I told okay. you. I'll take the banter if it doesn't happen. I'll, I'll take the banter. 16 and two in the playoffs. Wait for it. <laughs> uh, Mariah, I just want to come to you with a question quickly. Sure. Um, so Twitter and the group chat were popping off our few days ago when Lamarcus Aldridge decided to sign for the Nets mm. and everyone was talking about oh super team super team how many players do they need LeBron's 36 da, 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 da. 
Um, I just wanted to ask what you thought of what you think of his addition to the Nets, if it makes like any tangible difference to. Um, I think when it comes to these guys and people talk about super teams, people just need to just kind of understand within context. At the end of the day, the core of the team is still going to be KD, Harden, Kyrie, Joe Harris, uh, Brown, Claxon, DeAndre Jordan. Um, but the thing is, you'll always need those guys to fill in those kind of garbage time minutes. And where you're going mm. to unknown quantities, you're now coming to. Blake Griffin, who two years ago was an All-NBA all NBA, uh, third team player. And you're coming to LaMarcus Aldridge, who, again, is, is a seven-time All-Star. So do they take them over the edge and make them uh, a super team? Not per se, because I think they were already one before those guys came. But um, does it make them an overall better team? Yeah. They're not going to be necessarily the guys that take them over the edge, but they're going to have a big game at some point in the playoffs. These are talented basketball players who... Their, their primes are definitely behind them. But we know we've seen this before. Guys go to teams um, and they'll just have one one night and their shots going in and, and they'll turn the tides of a playoff game. So um, this is the world we're in now. This is the world we're in now. Guys want to win. Blake Griffin has had a hell of a time with injuries over the course of his career. Um, and I'm not mad at it. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, I think uh, there was a clip the Nets uh, Twitter page put up is uh, gathering a three. Uh, even from the, just from this clip of him taking this three with nobody else around him, I can see how washed this guy is. So listen, <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll get he'll get his minutes here and there, but he, he's not really anybody that I'm, I'm particularly worried about. Um, you know how it goes. Mm. People are going to moan. People are going to talk. You're going to have LeBron fans talking. Um, as well as having these guys and also stashing them on their bench, though, what happens is that other teams who they could have potentially done a bit more for mm. and then denied the opportunity to have these players. Like, mm. I, I, Blake Griffin's been one of my favourite players to watch over the last decade. I, I, I loved him at Lob City and I loved the way he was able to develop his all-round game uh, and become a player who could kind of do it all, really, on, on the offensive end. So I'll be really happy for him if he ends up winning a chip. Um but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm I'm not fussed, man. It, it is what it is at the end of the day. We know playoffs are a different beast. Um, and I don't envision the Nets necessarily having it as easy as people are thinking they're going to have it. I hope not. I really hope not. Um, Neil, I'll just come to you to round it off. Um, firstly, I would like to get your thoughts on the game, for, for one. Secondly, um, I think a lot of the teams in the NBA, like we talk about like tanking culture and stuff like that, and obviously for the better good, doing it to make your team better. The Timberwolves have been really bad for a really long time. Yeah. Um, do you believe that their tanking, their whole tanking process thing is working? Um, <laughs> and like, do they need a different approach is basically what I'm going to ask, because they're really bad and they have been really bad for ages. So look, yeah, so like, um, with this season, um, they're missing Dido. Um, I'm not saying Dealer would come back and be a major improvement on them or to be like a playing team, but I think we've got to see what he can do with Cap and Edwards first before they start to make some movements. You can't get rid of Dealer, man. What, already? But yeah, nah, man, because he's played no games with them yet. Nah, he's not good, man. <laughs> mm, don't like, I've never really been a fan of his game particularly. Whatever mm. they can get from they should try and get from I think um, this year's draft, sorry to interject me and I'll, I'll let you uh, come back in. But I think uh, this year's draft we spoke about at the top of the pod um, is a particularly strong one uh, and they're better off probably, well, they're not better off, they're going to be in the lottery, um, picking <laughs> up uh, a, a Cade uh, if they can and or Jalen Green and, and, and going from there, uh, get rid of D'Lo. Um, we have to remember also Cat was out for quite a bit this season too. Um, yeah. And he's only really now starting to, to come into his, 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 his self again. Um, Anthony Edwards one game you watch and he's an efficient like 20 from the field, 25. Another game you watch and he's made like one of 15. Um, so he's going through um, the bumps that rookies go through. He's yeah. just out there running around, literally. <laughs> pure, just running around off of pure athletic ability. So the minute they're able to actually teach him the game of basketball, um, then, then he'll be all right, man. Um, yeah, they've been a, a nothing franchise since KG left. Yeah. Uh, even the Kevin Love years didn't amount to much either. Um, and alongside probably um, the Hornets and um, the Kings, I can't really think of three more sorry franchises in the league, to be honest. Um, but you can't trade yes. D-Lo. 
I mean, you can't trade Dido already, can you? Because like his trade value would be so low. I don't rate like, him. So that's where I, that's where I'm coming from. Obviously, you you had him at Golden State. How did you feel when you got rid? Well, that's what I was saying. Like um, in the last pod, I mean, he just didn't really fit or really work. Like her, you could tell from his press interviews, he just didn't he didn't really want him. Um, he, he just didn't really fit our ethos of like playing. He's not really like an off ball sort of player. He would stand at the top of the key, um, and that's not how we work. And it's it's like a motion offense, and he wasn't in motion at all basically um so yeah i mean he just wasn't like a really good fit for us and i'm happy that we were able to trade him and just like move pieces so that's why i think the timberwolves i think like best situation for them is either to like play him see how he fits if they can get something out of him or at least just try and like um, drum up his trade value at least and get something for him but um, there's a few pieces in the timberwolves that i actually like um and reams was talking about it the other day in another podcast and I've kind of been taking note um, of Jademan Daniels now. Um, and he was doing a good job on Kyrie and Harden in that game as well. Um, and he seems like a really good, like, versatile, like, a wing defender. Um, so they definitely got some interesting pieces in Ant as well, who I think is a good player. Um, obviously, he's quite gifted. He's quite gifted athletically. Like, the guy's pretty huge for his age, you know? Um, and then we've got Kat as well. So they've got some decent pieces. Um, but I mean, I don't think they're one draft and like one move away from becoming a contender or like a playoff team. So, yeah, I'm like, you kind of say. How many moves away are they from becoming just a good? And this is it. And this is a long transition, bro. This is this is like two, three years. And like in those two, three years, I don't think Cat's gonna be there because I'm that guy is too good to be wasting his years in a team like Minnesota in an area. Let's talk on Cat. Let's talk on Cat because um, offensively, he he's a generational to be honest with you yeah yeah um but we we still have the same issues defensively that the the lapses in 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 concentration that the poor rim protection um how and we've been we've been pretty critical of Jokic um who's playing at otherworldly offensive level this season um why aren't the same question marks labeled at cat because yeah with like Wiggins and sometimes it's a question of the culture. So even in a losing franchise, you tank all the time. Um, are you really in a position to like, improve yourself defensively? And obviously at centre, it's probably like the hardest position to improve yourself defensively. If you're not coming to the league, being a decent defender, it'll be, it might take you two, three years to become a decent defender at the position. And we kind of see it with Wiseman right now as well. Um, he's kind of he's kind of like I'm all over the place. He doesn't really know where to be. Um, he doesn't move his feet as quick. Um, but if he went to a new team, I'm like Wiggins, he wasn't really known as being the sharpest defender at Minnesota. Since he's come to the Warriors, he's probably been our second best defender this year, um, to be fair. Um, so I think I, I would kind of give Kat that kind of excuse in that maybe if he went to a new team that was actually competing, he might look a whole lot better. Mm. Or he might not. I'm not really too sure in it. But um... <laughs> <laughs> He's been like... Admit it, talking about for that, but maybe not. Maybe everything, I've, maybe everything I've just said is cap. Um, yeah. Now, to me, it's it's interesting. You make a point. Organization, culture matters. But this is a guy who came in with a defensive reputation, and it, probably his best season defensively was his first season, and he really hasn't seemed to have picked up a knack for it at, at any point. And at times, basketball is an individual sport masquerading as a team sport. Um, and defensively, especially in the centre position, you can just kind of tell when somebody's got it and somebody hasn't. Um, they can't really go far if he, if he continues to be a sieve defensively, um, un- unless they're going to be a team that's going to put up 110, 115 uh, and go down the, the Denver-Brooklyn um, route. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's something to keep an eye on. I don't really... What's his trade value? Um, if, if Cat became available, how many teams do you think are, are placing a call to Minnesota? Quite a few, I reckon. I'm probably the whole league, no? Mm. If they've got a cap size or space. Mm. What's he? Is he on a max? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah quite, a few, quite a few. There'd be very, very few teams that wouldn't throw the hat in the mm, ring. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, the Knicks would. Um, Golden, 100%. Golden State, I don't think you guys would. Um, no, nah, probably not. The Lakers, no. Um, Clippers, no. He wouldn't go Miami because he doesn't fit that sport. Miami, no. In no way. Bucks, maybe. Can they put together? Yeah. Bucks would work. 
uh how would how would they do it um middleton plus something yeah yeah i mean middleton's probably on similar money games are games a mess mate um <laughs> yeah no um, um listen i like that I, I, I like that but i think it's just again we just holding players to the to the same standards and being consistent across the board um he's had a tough time we know he's lost like almost 10 family yeah. members due to yeah. COVID. um yeah. but he, he's one of the mercurial talents in the league and um they did bring KG in originally when he got there to kind of be a mentor to him. Um, and he, he did fall out with Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler style didn't necessarily mesh with him. And we know Jimmy is somebody who wants to win at all costs, isn't it? Yeah. So mm. that has me questioning his mentality and, and how much he wants it. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. He's, he's only what he's about 25 now, if that. Yeah. Um, exactly. So he, he's got a lot of years ahead of him, but um, they need something. You're right. It'll be a, a few, a few more years before they're, actually good but they just need that player to, to to build around and to take the franchise to take the franchise forward because we know it's not a free agent destination nope. um so it's only really going to be through the draft um that they're able to pick up that that blue chip talent fair, fair enough okay so uh moving on to the last game uh we have got philly versus the denver nuggets um oops sorry so, Neil, I want to come to you first. Um, yeah. The Nuggets beat 76ers. Um, I have seen, I don't know how biased this is, probably very. I've seen several accounts on Twitter claiming that with the addition of Aaron Gordon, um, Denver have the best attacking, like off best off- offensive team in the league. Um, what are your thoughts on that claim? Um, it might be a strong claim, to be honest, because what I noticed yesterday in the game is that they played with a lot more pace Denver than usual. Mm. And that was kind of taking the Sixers out of their defensive set. And obviously they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. I think they're mm. second. And when you play in transition, you play quicker, you don't really give them a chance to set up. Um, and then if you look at their starting five, it's also good in the half court as well. Um, because you've got Gordon to a really good car. Um, he does well in the dribble handoffs. He's a decent passer. And then obviously you've got Jamal Murray and the Jokic pick and roll. You've got MPJ, who's been shooting lights out recently. And then you've got Will Barton, who can cut as well. And he's a decent shooter. So they've got a lot of versatility and length there, to be honest. So I'm not really going to disagree too much with that shout, to be honest. I think it's, it's, it's not a bad shout. I'm not going to lie. Anyone disagree strongly? I feel like you're trying to draw, you're trying to... I'm just asking. I'm just asking. (laughs) I mean, mean, obviously, I knew what was coming anyway, but but I really like Denver Nuggets, to be honest with you. So I don't have too many bad things to say about them. Um, I think probably right now they are the best offensive team in the league, to be be, um, completely honest. But um, then again... My team's missing the super, the, the super superstar. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, if he was good. about, then we know what it is. But yeah, no, Den- Denver. I really like them. I watched the, um, their game with Philly the other day, and um, Jamal Murray and um, Michael Jr. were just giving them the business. I love the way Jamal Murray plays the game, man. I really, really like the way that Jamal Murray plays the game. Um, he all he's always elevating in the postseason as well, um, elevating his level. Uh, I feel like sometimes maybe he might he might have his his um little block of games where he won't be at his best or his yeah. um shooting will be will be quite poor and but he always seems to pick it back up and um you know um he's a, he's a young he's a young player I think he's got um he should he should um definitely uh what's the word that I'm looking for. I hate this because I'm so bad at um, progress, elevate. Uh, yeah, pro- progress to um, a regular all-star level um, okay. as the years as the years um, go forward. I think he's um, that kind of player. He's um, second best player on on the, um, the Nuggets, obviously. And there aren't many there aren't many teams that um, have as good a second option as him. Obviously, taking super teams out of the equation and that so yeah I'm really I'm really interested to see what Denver can do um come postseason as well because I think they're a little bit of a sleeping giant I think Jokic for me is probably the MVP at, at this present at I, this agree. Moment. I was about to ask you this, uh, that uh, very question uh, for, for me I think he is like but I love I love Jokic like 
there's something about a player that's like seven feet tall and like just look how he looked before he lost all that weight um, mm. during um, quarantine and that, that could just score the ball how he does and facilitate play how 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 he was. I, and I'm just a really, really big fan of him. He's probably, I'd probably say he's in my top seven players in the league as well. So I'll be happy if he gets the MVP. I think right now he deserves it. He's playing, he's playing lights out, man. Uh, Mariah, um, I know, obviously I haven't spoken to you on this topic in a while. I know you, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you are in the Embiid versus Jokic debate. You are slightly more Embiid than I was, than but I mean, he's been out for a few weeks and that's kind of tipped it. With the season being as compressed as it is, mm-hmm. uh, even missing a week can be a big, a big factor, especially if somebody's played as well, um, as consistently as Jokic has. Uh, uh, played and I think with the 76ers being able to maintain a good record without Embiid again that factors into to how you you, you quantify the MVP discussion because we know for a fact if uh, Jokic was to miss uh, any stretch of time for the Denver Nuggets they'd completely implode so um, yeah at this point Jokic has to be has to be the guy fair enough um, last question to the whole to the whole panel um, I'm just curious on what you all of your thoughts are on George Hill and how important he'll be to the 76ers in playoff time. So, any open to anyone to answer. So, I was speaking about with like Yaz on those. I think I think it was after the game they had against Utah, mm-hmm. where they just about lost. I think, um, and we like we both kind of said and agreed that they could really do with um, a guard that can score and that mm-hmm. can shoot, because um, I think they're in the bottom ten in like made threes and like attempted threes. And I know like Seth Curry and Danny Green would like, I would make you think they've got options on the wing, but I'm not particularly. Um, and they could definitely um, benefit from a lot more shooting. And that second unit, which is really good defensively, but um, like Maxi and the Fireball, they're just not good shooters at all. Well, I'm from the perimeter anyway. Mm. Um, so I think and what he can do is add a bit more poise to that second unit. So um, he can kind of run things um, like, I'm at the point. Um, and I think in the first unit, if he plays as well, they switch the lineup. Simmons can be a bit more off ball and maybe have more cutting actions or being a dunker spot, etc. Um, so I think the addition of George Hill is actually one of my favorite additions on that deadline day. Um, and I think it makes the Sixers quite a bit better and it makes them a much bigger threat in the postseason. I think when games become a bit tighter, it mm. will definitely be a big benefit in the playoffs. Okay. Okay, so is there any thoughts towards? Um, I feel like the 76ers are kind of like the always like the, the almost team kind of thing, like they're maybe yeah. just a couple of bits, a couple of players away, a couple of moments away. If you think back to um, uh, that game against the Raptors, that game, yeah. uh, for a couple of years ago, from being there up there with like the really good teams, um, do you sense that? their time is coming anytime soon. Obviously now you've got the emergence of the Nets uh, being the super team that they are. Um, do you feel like with this couple of players they have, that they'll have a chance of winning anything or even getting to a finals within the next two to three years? I think they could get to a finals because um, I think Embiid is playing that like, totally different this year. Like um, his skill set and strength and dominance, but now his like um, determination and focus, which is like clear to see. Um, make a big difference to be honest and I think I think Tobias Harris has settled in so you can see he's now like a defined third option and he's kind of settled into that role now as well um, I think the only thing with the Sixers would be um, Simmons offensively um, so I'm in this stretch about Embiid and in the game against the Clippers I think um, so I think he averages what 15 points a game Mm. Um, but the certain situations, so I think in the fourth against the Clippers, he had zero points or something like that, um, which um, obviously you don't want from like your first or second option. So I think if they can find schemes to get him more involved or space it more so that he can drive more, but I think he also needs to be more aggressive. Um, but I think their defense would cause a lot of teams trouble. So I think the Sixers would probably make the finals this year. Like they've got, like they've got a great opportunity to. Um, whether they beat the Nets, I'm not too sure. It's probably unlikely. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, unless anyone else has any other business that they want to mention, I'm going to bring this podcast to a close. Um, so, Timmy, Nee, Mariah, thank you all for coming on. 
Our pleasure. Or oh, my pleasure. pleasure. Speak for myself. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, nice one, um, lads. Um, so yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Courtside Frackers. Um, interact with us. Anything that you want to talk about, NBA related, there'll always be someone on the account to reply. Have a nice little conversation with. If you want to support us further, uh, join our Patreon uh, at Courtside Frackers and give us. Sorry, Mariah, the look you're giving me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, listen. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened. I listened to last Wednesday's pod. I think last Wednesday's pod, <laughs> and you mentioned a patron at the start, and and it sounded like someone had put a gun to your head. So I was just trying to see see what energy you were coming with. Um, that was pretty good. You shouldn't have let me throw you off. So yeah, my bad, do your my thing, bad. bro. Do your thing, man. <laughs> so yeah, if anyone, uh, if you're interested in any extra content, and uh, if you're looking to support us, uh, join our Patreon at Courtside Frackers. From as little as two pounds a month, you can help us produce extra content and give us anything you give you anything you need NBA related um, so yeah thanks right, for listening what? Right, okay <laughs> oh sorry go on <laughs> yeah we are we are yeah sure whatever you want guys just sign up yeah? <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got family we got family to feed yeah yeah man <laughs> right. peace boys yeah, thanks for listening um, we'll see you next time peace Social Podcast Network. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.